You're listening to Master Your Magic, a travel podcast following the wild tales and transformations of some of the greatest adventures today. Welcome back, everyone, the Master Your Travel podcast. I am sitting here with someone named Blair that I'm very excited to introduce you all to. Guys, let's get started. I want to dive right in. I want to introduce Blair. She was born and raised in California. She achieved her Bachelor of Arts degree in communication with an emphasis in health communication during her study abroad in Thailand from San Diego State University. There, at the age of 21, she was elected the first female CEO slash president in 15 years of a $26.8 million organization. When she graduated, she moved to LA to work at Sony Pictures and became an active member of the booming self-development industry. She garnered an increased interest in human behavior and optimization which led her to embark on an invigorating social experiment to better understand modern romance, love, dating, and the psychology of human relationships by dating hundreds of men around the world and writing about it in an online blog. The blog quickly (laughs) gained popularity with hundreds and thousands of readers around the world, and she turned it into a book that came out this year called 10 Dudes, which sold out in the first week of its launch. She now works as a life coach in health, business, and relationships between Los Angeles and London and plans to pursue her doctorate in the future. Girl, that was quite the bio, and I can't wait to dive into all that, and I loved your little giggle in the middle. (laughs) You're like, yes, yes. (laughs) Tell me about me. (laughs) No, I still laugh. When when you read, like, she dated hundreds of guys around the world, I was like, oh, God, I did that? Oh, man. I can't wait to dive into all of that hundreds of guys around the world. I, like, literally want to hear about each one of them, but I know we don't have time for that shit. No. Okay, so I'm going to hand it off to you. Introduce yourself. And yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, hello, Myla's tribe and everyone listening. Um, The bio really did say it all, written by my editor, thankfully. um, (laughs) So um, that's me. Super happy to be here. Myla, it seems like what you're putting out is amazing. Um, Mastering your travel is so super powerful. Travel is the best education. And also I was talking in a podcast last week about how if you're feeling lost, the best thing to do is get lost. So that means go travel somewhere else and get lost doing something completely out of your comfort zone. And that's where you will ultimately come back to yourself and find yourself. So you, you know that clearly because you've done it. And so, um, and you'll continue to do it time and time again. And the fact that you're bringing that magic to people is is really cool. So I'm pumped to be here on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. I really love that. When you feel lost, get lost and you'll find mm-hmm. yourself. That's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Shit. Okay, so I have to <laughs> let everyone know how I freaking found you and how I came across, like how this connection happened because it's honestly really crazy. Um, I was... I was watching a movie on Netflix and (laughs) (laughs) this is how it happened. I was watching this movie that just came out. It was a Christmas movie and it's like, um, what the hell is the name of it? Love Hard. 
Love Hard. Okay. I watched this movie, Love Hard. And it's like about this girl who has a blog and she writes about all her experiences dating guys. And then I freaking see this comment on Overheard LA and it was about the girl who wrote the blog who quoted it and it was Blair. So, mm-hmm. but I, I like go to her profile and I'm like looking at her and I'm like, oh my God, this is the girl. She even <laughs> looks like the girl in the movie. Like what the hell? This is the girl. I just watched the movie. Oh my God. I'm so glad I found her. I want to hear all about her stories traveling the world and like dating like these guys and stuff. And I freaking mm-hmm. reached out to you and I... Swear to God, okay, you're going to have to dive in here because I was like, this that's who this movie is based on, is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I, everything you're saying, I'm, I'm, I, you bring so much joy. Your personality is like so joyful and lively. I love it. Um, it's the highlight of my day. So, yeah, you, yep, that's what happened. So, 2016. 2016, I moved to Los Angeles, always lived in beach towns my whole life, and then moved to Los Angeles, which was the, the most city-ish I've ever gotten out of California. And um, I was heartbroken. First day I moved into my new apartment, my four-and-a-half-year relationship ended. My boyfriend broke up with me over a text message. Oh, my and God. I, was, I know. What an <laughs> asshole. I know. And I was shattered. I like, I did not see that one coming. Things, things weren't going like they should have been. And it was rocky, but I thought it was like together for everything. Like we had been looking at rings a few weeks earlier. So, um, but yeah, there was like disloyalty in that relationship and it ended. So it just wasn't going to go anywhere. So clearly the universe was like, Hey, he was for this part of your life when you were in San Diego, but now that you're in LA, the universe wanted something else for me. I was definitely abruptly thrown into a different chapter, a different story. And um, I was the girl, like everyone has one of those friends. I guess it doesn't mean the girl, any gender. I was the person who didn't handle breakup well, like was an absolute mess. Couldn't get over it. It's all I talked about. Cry, cry, cry. Listen to songs on repeat till I hypnotize myself to being depressed um, waking up out of bed with a burrito falling off my face in the morning from the night before, crying outside of a club with the rain pouring down on me, mascara down my face, calling someone 17 times, sending Harry Potter novel-length text messages. All of my friends were like, shut up about this person. You need, to, you need to get over it. You need to move on. I was the one the therapist probably hit her head against the table, right? Like, move on. <laughs> absolute disaster and I could not for get a grip or get over this person and like every day I would walk to work crying walk home from work crying I didn't have any friends in the city because I was brand new no one had moved here yet um was all alone and that is when because I couldn't really afford a therapist at the time I turned to self-development which was booming in LA like anyone who's interested in Um, probably this podcast would know certain things like meditation, yoga, um, cryotherapy, ice baths, um, talk therapy. Everyone starts getting a therapist or a counselor at this point. People start normalizing mental health issues. 
people start talking about their sexual traumas and their spiritual awakenings, ayahuasca retreats and combo ceremonies begin. Like LA really grasped onto all of this, maybe before 2016, but that's when I feel like the Lewis Houses, who's my boss of the world, um, came to Los Angeles and was and going crazy. Matthew Hussey, Esther Perel, Marissa Peer, big voices in the relationship space. And um, so I YouTubed how I could move on past my heartbreak. And I started listening to these people talk. Lo and behold, I started working for Lewis Howes. I was his first intern. I started the Summit of Greatness Conference. And it was there that I met Matthew Hussey and Esther Perel for the first time, which for those of you who don't know, they're big relationship gurus. And um, my, my, my interest has always been health psychology and communication, trying to understand why humans are the way they are, what makes them tick, mental. I've always been a mental health advocate because I've struggled with it myself. And um, so I took a specific interest. That's when I narrowed my focus into like relationships because I that was what my interest because that was where my pain was. And mm-hmm. so um, that's what I was drawn to. And after those conversations with some of those people, just in passing – I was like, wow, they're really on to something. People need support in the area of heartbreak and love and dating and modern romance because the modern romance landscape is changing. So what happened is- modern romance in freaking Los Angeles. Like what, what even is that? It's a beast. It's a beast. It is very hard to navigate. And um, especially like- I was a natural chick. Like, so are you. So I'm not, when you go to Los Angeles, right, it's Barbies everywhere and everyone's dressed to the nines. It could be very intimidating as, as any person, but I think as someone that identifies as a woman, um, all the Instagram models are here. Like everyone's here. And so, um, it's a, there's, it's competitive. There's hot people everywhere. And, um, I didn't know how I was going to get along. So anyway, what happened is I was sort of a mess, but people advised me to hop on the dating apps because eventually they're like, you need to move on. Um, And I didn't know what those were. Big ones had just started coming out at the time. Um, I mean, Tinder, Hinge, League, Bumble had already been around, but. Okay, Cupid. Okay, Cupid. I just know that one because I met a guy on that like a few years before 2016. And like, I mean, he totally broke my heart too, but. That's where I met the guy was on OkCupid. Yeah, all those ones. They shifted from – they'd already been online for like 20 plus years, but they shifted to apps. And this is when they were becoming really popular. So I hopped on those and I just started swiping. Now, at the same time, I was working like three jobs to afford rent. And one of them was at – it was like a Devil Wears Prada situation at a PR agency. I was like picking tomato out of the executive's quinoa, eating the leftovers from the lunch because I couldn't (laughs) afford groceries, like doing dry cleaning, bringing lattes, getting screamed at. Um, And one of our clients happened to be a dating app that I can't mention because they were the client, but they're actually a, a massive dating app now. And they were just getting started at the time. And I was tasked to do a competitive analysis of all of the dating apps in, um, in rotation and why they were popular, who was using them and how we could market and distinguish this one dating app from the rest. And in that competitive analysis, I learned that 20 million people use dating apps. Um, sorry, my phone just went off. 20 million people no, use dating apps as of 
this year really, but like each month, 20 million people. And that 70% of people ages 18 to 35 have used dating apps at some point as of this year. So um, back then, those numbers were just exponentially growing every month. And um, I started looking into the founders of these apps and reading about them. And I thought, someone who has a psychology background and an interest in psychology, wow, one of our human basic needs, one of them is to connect. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is one of them is obviously eating, sleeping, uh, connecting with other humans. So I thought, how did someone commodify love? Like how, what genius took our basic need and decided to create a multi-million dollar company off of connection? Like that is amazing. And so I'm not that smart and I'm not an entrepreneur, but I, entrepreneur, but I thought, okay, well, maybe I could make a book and commodify off of love myself because people are clearly interested in the topic. So I wasn't thinking book that time, but I was starting to think potentially a blog. So, um, the story takes a little bit of a turn, but I did do the whole working for an agency, um, having the boss definitely was assigned to do dating app tasks, um, which is a very similar story to Love Heart, isn't it? And then um, I I did that, completed it, and then was on the apps on my own for my own personal um interests. And then really what happened is one day I was at a museum and two girls asked me what I was doing. And I decided to tell them that I was a writer undercover um, going around dating hundreds of guys for a blog called 10 Dudes on Tinder. And that (laughs) I was put on assignment to date guys everywhere. And I was just messing with these girls like to see if they would buy it. Because I'm kind of like that. Like I'm I just weird and bored. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. And this is what I'm doing. Well, stretch the truth a little bit. And they were so excited about what I was doing. I left the museum that day going like, oh, my God. First of all, I'm a psychopath for lying to those girls. But second of all, this is a great idea. And I need to do this. So that is what I started doing. Because I was heartbroken, because I was tasked and had a lot of knowledge about the apps, and because I was already doing the dating thing for my job, I turned that into my own passion. And then for the next year, serial dated literally hundreds of men in Los Angeles. And then for the next three years throughout the world, primarily in the United Kingdom, but also Australia and a few other places, wrote about it in an online blog. The blog went... I, I can't say it went viral, but back then, like, it got hundreds of thousands of views. So definitely enough to get me on podcasts, speaking gigs, talking with people. And then um, basically, I freaked out when I started getting social media attention, like the followers, all that. I took it down. And then it took six years for me to turn it into a book. So wow. that's a whole story. It was long. That's freaking crazy. Yeah, I know. And wow, like, that's amazing. I love, I love how that all unfolded for you. That's so, so cool. And of course, obviously, you know, I want like the juice on all of like these guys that you dated because like, holy crap. So, all right. So let's like backtrack it a little bit. We're going to go back to like when you started dating the guys in Los Angeles. How was it when you were like, okay, this is what I'm deciding to do. I'm starting to do this as a blog. I'm still getting over this asshole. And now I have to go on all these dates out of this experiment. Was it sort of like you had to push yourself at first to go get out there and then you sort of got into like the swing of it and like 
um, first of all, it was LA. So how were the dates? Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh, to, by the way, to answer your question from the previous question about the love hard situation, Myla was the first person to reach out and say, wait a second. I see. I had a ton of people reaching out being like, I see this very, very close connection. Um, yes. And you're a, to- a total stranger that reached out. You're like, wait, this is really crazy. So I want to thank you yeah. for that. But um, the second thing is, is that the connection between that movie, like I can't, I, I can't come out and say, wow, I think that was a stolen idea because I can't, but I can say that it has caused a massive upset within my community of people that have read my writing and myself because the character, the movie lines are different, but the character in that movie is is too close to home. So I do tell people if you want to know the true story behind whoever that may have been based on, um, then that is my story. And I'm Guys, to- I will say it for her. That story was jacked, okay? Like, <laughs> someone stole her fucking life story, okay? The character looks just like her. Like, I'm not joking. I literally, when I was like, I was like, that movie, I just watched it last night. This pro, this girl, this, what the hell? I was like so confused. And like, then, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can say this either, but like, whoever freaking wrote the thing, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to mention that, but it's like, come on. There's mutual connections between the, there's two close of connections between who wrote it and myself, um, mutual connections there. And so it would Meaning be a the shame. person who wrote it knew her. So, like, let's just, like, come on, people. Yeah, knew someone <laughs> who knew me. Yeah. So, um, and I found that out and that was really sad and such a bummer, but, um, it bummer like that yeah. happened. So, um, but the truth always reveals itself in the end. Right. So I just get to stay in my lane, keep trying to give good to people in the universe. I think nowadays people want justice for people like in 2021, it seems like the justice year. And so, um, yeah, that's the probably why your community out. were like, like giving uh, love hard, such a fucking hard time. Like, yeah. They were like, that's, that is the person that I've been following for years that I've mm-hmm. been like entertained by for years. That's probably why they gave them such a hard time as they should like for any diehard yeah. fan with anything. Like it's, it's totally unfair. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's violating cause it's your identity that, um, it's crazy, but Hey, I can't, I'm not gonna, I was like, wow, it'd be bullish to take Netflix to, to court, wouldn't it? Or to hire an attorney or whatever. But then I was like, you know what? I do think that good people win in the end. So I'm just going to keep going down that route. But I do appreciate you for having that critical thinking process. And um, you're a sharp, you're a sharp one. Because you just came out and were like, let's talk about this. And I, I love it. It. <laughs> it is really interesting how that all happened. Yeah, how that all unfolded. Mm-hmm. Also, um, Overheard LA. If mm-hmm. I don't, whoever lives in LA has to follow Overheard LA on Instagram if you don't like figure it out. But that mm-hmm. was the comment. Someone quoted Blair yeah. on Overheard LA, <laughs> fucking quoted her. And I was like, oh my God, that's the movie that I just saw last night. That was the mm-hmm. quote, but it wasn't. It was fucking Blair. So, yeah, I know. Blair said, like her whole community commented under that comment, like, that's, that's Blair. This is this girl. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Blown away was, by the industry sometimes and just the shit that they think that they can pull. But I know. Such a bummer. Not Netflix's fault. More just like 
everyone see good ideas can be recycled and sometimes we tell ourselves narratives. So I'm sure wholeheartedly that person thinks it's their idea, but they heard it somewhere because it was clearly relevant years before that movie was copyrighted in 2020. So I think you're being nice, which I think is cute, but I think (laughs) if they made the character look identical to you and like even moments like from your blog that you wrote that showed up in the movie, like similar of things, like, come on. No, that was not. The person knew. Yeah. But but thank you. You're wonderful. (laughs) I'll say it because you can't. I will say it. (laughs) You're you're hearing it here first, everyone. Besides Overheard LA, Miley's podcast is going to blow up now. (laughs) I love it so much. Yes, yes. Netflix is like, who the fuck is this girl? Awesome. Okay. All right. So let's oh, let's dive in. Okay. So okay. how did these dates in LA go? What? Tell me the weirdest one. Um. Okay. So to answer your question, to, I dove in because I wasn't afraid because I knew I was doing it for a social experiment, and so I and I I already had kind of been tasked by my work to like figure out the apps anyway. They didn't say they never said like go date all these guys, but they like jokingly were like, no, you really should. Like you should get in there and experiment and date. So um what because I looked at it as this is something for work, I could kind of hide behind that per that excuse and that persona. And if I Ooh, said question, like were yeah. you you in your blog or were you anonymous? I was under a pseudonym for the first probably like five, like half of what I was writing. I wrote under a pseudonym. So you could almost write more freely because nobody knew who you were. Yes. I wrote freely. No one knew who I was. Um, but just like in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild, isn't it? It's such a bummer. The thing is people at work eventually started knowing who I was. And, um, so that's, I'm sure how the idea got transferred, but, um, So yeah, I was I wrote under a pseudonym and like if I were to say Myla, hey, if I'm your boss and I were to say Myla, I need you to I need you to go on the dating apps and I need you to go on dates with like 10 guys or women or whatever gender you're interested in, 10 people. I am you would I and I'm tasking you to do this or it's insinuated like hey, you don't have to do this, but to have that qualitative analysis would be really helpful to our company, then you do it, right? Cuz you're trying to like work yourself up the ladder. Um and so I approached this as a job and originally when I was writing the blog, I wasn't posting it online. So I wrote it in a Google Doc because I wanted to process it was my heartbreak made me want to never feel that way again. So at first I was just writing in a Google doc, every date I went on, every lesson I learned with the hopes that I would never experience heartbreak again, or that I would learn everything I could about love so I could help myself just be better at it. Cause I was feeling so lost. And so it wasn't until I was like five dates in that I posted the first or not five dates, five chapters in that I posted the first blog online and that's what got like 2000 views within like two hours so oh my god hell yeah I know it was wild so um because to answer your question no I didn't feel I wasn't like feeling like nervous about diving into these dates because I was like oh I'm just doing this for a job and it makes it takes that nervousness away because you're hiding behind something Mm -hmm. um a screen and a command like also when we show up on dates part of us that 
feels nervous is the part of us that thinks, wow, this I'm showing up as myself and this person can judge me. Like this person is going to have thoughts and feelings about me, but I could hide behind like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm rejected or they hurt me or they don't care about me because I'm just doing this for science. I'm just doing this for research. Um, and yeah, so I dove right in and lined up my calendar, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, after dinner, on the weekends, didn't tell my best friends. My, my best friend texted me the other day being like, did you really date as many guys as you say? Like my best friend. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't tell anyone because that's all I was doing inside and outside of work. Wow. Um, Amazing. And the dates were everything you could ever expect to read about or hear about on Overheard LA or in a blog. Um, the embarrassing stories, the like horrible stories, the ones that just make dating like seem like a horror story, um, the funny ones, the fucking hilarious stories that you want to die laughing about, the sad ones. Um, it was everything in between. So I mean, I just know from my own dating experiences in LA, there were like quite a few just like jerks. I had so yeah. many guys like Oh, like I bought you dinner. Now you need to sleep with me. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's you? Like, where, where did you get this idea that, like, because you bought me dinner, I have to have sex with you now? I'm so confused by that. But yeah, oh, no. Like, so I know I didn't, I definitely didn't date nearly as many dudes as you. But like, tell me just, tell me just one of the fun stories. <laughs> but you can relate, right? That's what I makes can. So relatable because it's your story too. Like you dated any girl. That's what's the power about the story is it really isn't my story. It's your story. It's anyone else's story. Like any girl can be like, wow, I should have written that because I have – I bet you there's so many girls out there that have more horror stories than I do. I read them all the time and I'm like, holy yeah. shit. That's it insane. has to be the same on the other end for guys, wouldn't you say? Like that there's that yeah. many crazy girls out there that they've had like just horrible dates with women as well. Oh, man. And I was the nightmare for some of them, right? Like for some <laughs> of these guys, I wrote about them. They like bought the book. And some of these guys that I didn't have read it and they're like, the fuck? Like I'm in your best-selling book now. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's so, yeah. so good. It's so good. I also yeah. love that you like – got outside of LA and continue this? Like, how did you make that decision? So, um, um, okay. The reason I left LA is because I started dating all the guys in LA and I was like, you're all the same. You actually start reading like about archetypes in the book. I kind of say like, here's the artist dude. Here's the Sela celebrity dude. Here's the enlightened dude. Here's like, we all have dated the like guy that does hot yoga. We've all dated the guy that's going to like probably friends with Obama who I don't know golfs with his dad and it's we there's different the startup guy the techie one yep. um the weirdo the nice guy like there's different yeah. kinds we've all dated so I archetype them and after a while I was like you're all the same and I got bored and um there was two things when I got bored of being in LA I felt like I'd I'd literally dated the town. It got yeah. to the point where I was on the apps and we've all experienced this too, but where you're like on the different apps and you start seeing the same people over and over oh, again. No. Yeah. <laughs> My cycle you're like, yeah, you're you so cycling through them all. And, um, so I was over that. But the second reason is because, um, 
when this blog took off, I started coaching people, um, really realizing that relationship stuff has to do with a lot of times if you identify as um, a female, like body image, self-esteem, eating disorders, um, anxiety, depression, trauma, sexual trauma, um, connection, like boundaries, and that in worldly pressures about being a woman the balance between masculinity and femininity, how confusing as fuck it is in 2021 with all the pressures we have on us with gender types and stereotypes. So there's so much more that goes into what's going to be a blockage between you connecting with someone. And so I started pushing people with that. And that really led to my life's purpose, which is helping people heal from, um, heal, whether it be like physical health or relational health, anything that has to do with their relationship with their body or another person or their mind. So mm. because of that, I, I moved to the United Kingdom and I got my master's degree in health psychology, which is just the mind-body connection. So, And you know all about that because mm-hmm. that's what you practice through yoga, through your energy reading and all of the other things um, you do. Not energy reading, record reading, correct? It's, it's similar. Yeah, Akashic similar. Records. Yeah. Yeah, the spirituality and all of that, it's – so anyway, I moved to get that degree and now I actually coach people f- like full time um, in my nine to five. But then also with me having this book come out and trying to build a business, I do my own relational coaching. Um, mm. So it led to my life's purpose, really traveling somewhere else. And um, I met different guys, but I have to unfortunately report that it's fun today elsewhere, as I'm sure you've realized. But they're all the same. They're all the same. Doesn't matter if they have a charming accent. Myla, darling, you're so beautiful. Like, blah, blah. It's like, shut the fuck up. They're all the same. (laughs) You're like, which archetype do you fit in? Even though you're a London boy, you're going to fit in somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Oh, well, shit. You eventually found your prince though, right? Interesting question. Um, So. Are you a reporter? Are you an undercover reporter? That's I work as a psychic, okay? So just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's part of what I do. Exactly. So you ask the questions. Um, got it. I'm sweating. No one sees me on camera, but I'm like. <gasps> um, so <laughs> the book doesn't end with me finding love or anything like that, um, which people will read about. It's more like me coming back to myself and learning how to choose love and what self-love means and that if things don't feel like love to stay away from them and to pursue what feels good and like all of those lessons. And then when I moved back from the United Kingdom, when the book was finished, literally the next week I met my current partner um, who I've been together with a year, or with for a year now. So who wild. She reported before we pushed record, she's in Malibu in yeah. a, where Camper. are you? You're in a camper. Poor guy, like his house burned down in the freaking fire. In which fire? I know, know, but you would love it. Honestly, there's like a bathtub outside and you're just like in the middle of nature. And I feel like I'm on a safari or something. You see coyotes walk by and it's really cool. It's it's kind of like a glamper. It's really a fun experience while while he rebuilds his home. But to say that he's my prince, um, (laughs) I just had this conversation with him. I'm not there yet. I'm still – because for me, I still 
may want to go live in a different country or I'm not done with like maybe moving to New Zealand or Australia or back to the UK, go back to the UK in February. So, and he's here, like his business is in Los Angeles and um, he's so chill and open and we're on the same page about that. So we're in similar situations because like the guy that I'm dating, I adore him and I think Mm -hmm. he's great. And there's parts of my brains that are like, totally could be with this guy. But then Mm -hmm. there's like really, I want to say a little bit more dominant parts of me that are like, honey, you're, you like to travel. Like, what are you going to do? Like Mm -hmm. stay with this dude when you're like, you know, living somewhere else in like a different part of the world and you don't plan on coming back for a while. Like, come on, like, let's be realistic. Like I like to explore the globe. I like to, you know, and I don't, I'm not, I don't, I've never done long distance, but I don't think I would be a good long distance partner. Me either. Me either. What's your sign? I need to know. I'm a cancer. Cancer. Ah! I'm cancer rising. <laughs> oh my God. I'm Gemini rising. I And I'm an Aries with a Capricorn moon. What's your moon? Libra. Oh, nice. So um, you're Gemini rising. You're cancer Gemini rising Gemini. Libra moon. That's super fun. It's um, fun. Yeah. That's a I'm, fun I'm all, I'm very like deep and like uh-huh. totally water, all the things. But the yeah. Gemini keeps me like quirky and weird yeah. and the Libra keeps me like balanced and like easy. Yeah. Like I can understand and connect with people. Yeah. That's a really great mix. Um, Thank you. I love that. I would have guessed that you're something – you have some kind of air in you. I have a ton of water, like all Pisces and Scorpio and Cancer, mm. so – I Which feel makes you very crazy. magical. And I bet you have um, really crazy dreams. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All the stuff. We, we've got to hang out after this podcast. I'm so down. Do you notice when you travel that your dreams get crazier than when they're in the United States? Yeah, 100% because you're like pursuing your psyche. So from totally. like a Freudian psychologist perspective, you're literally – what travel is, is it's the spiritual pursuit of your like psyche's desires. So your, mm. your subconscious is taking you where you need to go to learn your next lesson, to mature and grow into the better version of yourself. So yeah, when you, now when you're, you go to Peru next, right? For your next retreat, it's like, once you have that experience there, your dream's going to get even crazier because you've just taken that next step. It's that's how the subconscious works. I it's love just trying that to like so freaking you. much. My my first like big trip when I went to Thailand, I had these like crazy pivotal dreams that like they were like flashes of my future. They were like real wow. like psychic moments where I woke up and was like, <gasps> like I saw a glimpse of like who I'm supposed to be. I always called the girl Boss Myla because she was such a boss in the dream and like. She just had her shit together. And like at the time I was like so, you know, like young and just like first travel experience. Uh But man, like I'll never forget the way that I felt. Every single one of them had a connection Mm -hmm. to like flying. That's amazing. That's Mm -hmm. so cool. Yeah. I've got to go on a trip with you. That's going to be so fun. Well, then maybe we need to ditch our guys and move to New Zealand for a little bit. <laughs> I'm down. You tell me when and I'm there. He's I coming home any, any minute. So hopefully he never <laughs> listens to this podcast. But if he did, he wouldn't be surprised. He'd be like, yeah, she, she, I knew that was coming. So, you know, it is what it is. And I doubt like the person I'm currently dating will listen either. So just universe, <laughs> just give us that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
Okay. So we got a little off course, but totally on course, on course, off course. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So London, and then you also said you went to Australia. Yeah. So I did not live in Australia. I was only there for like about a month, but I dated a really cool person there. Australian guy. Oh, yeah. He's still a very good friend to this day. As a matter of fact, if you go to Australia, I will connect you with him. He's hot. He's amazing. He's smart, funny. Um, I, don't I know love why, but Aussie guys are just very sexy. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And please yeah. don't report that they're all the same as the London and the Americans, are they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It depends on what – please don't report. I would say that they um, – Okay, here's the thing. You go to London and you get some like cheeky bastards with great senses of humor, like self-deprecating and dark. They're very funny, but they're also like superbly polite and it's annoying because you'll be like, let's get coffee. And they'll be like, oh, sure. Well, let's get coffee, blah, blah. And then you find out like two days later that they didn't really mean it. They're just trying to be polite. They And it's like, as Americans, we hate that because we just like directness and like forwardness. Do or do you not want to get coffee with me? Well, Australia they are like beachy culture. So they kind of have the same thing as LA where they, again, like they're, you either have the very douchey guys, like super douchey, or you have the very sweet, but sometimes, sometimes it's too sweet. Sometimes sweeter than the UK where like they are so wishy-washy and watery because they are so like free and ethereal and like kind or urethral, however you say that word, that they don't want to um, hurt your feelings either. And I just appreciate directness. So um, that's the only part that gets annoying about them. But that makes sense. I do have to say, I think that they, they all have their own flavors, but yeah, guys are, guys are the same around the world. So how many freaking blog posts did you end up writing? So crazy enough, I did date hundreds of guys, probably talked to thousands of them, but I wrote about 10 of the experiences because those turned into the milestones in my journey to get me to where I was, which is why it's called 10 dudes mm-hmm. on Tinder. And then I changed it to 10 dudes for copyright, but um, 10 of them. I wrote about 10 of them. And then within the chapters, I like mention, yeah, well, this one time, here's one date with this other person. But like mainly I focus on 10 stories out of the hundreds and hundreds of Dates and those were the guys that like impacted me. I guess like that did something a little extra to your heart. That's yeah, what, we yeah. connected the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and why? And you learn like why we connected the most. What I learned from myself. What you can learn from yourself when you read about these guys. And then I think when you read the book, you'll be like, oh, I've been there. Oh, okay. Like I relate here. Here's, um what I might have missed when I was dating that person and that experience. And here's what I could potentially learn. And it's a, it's an introspective book. You'll read my story, but you'll definitely, it's really about you and you're going to be like, okay, this is, this is how, what I should be pulling from my stories too, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. I can't wait to read that. I also, um, cause I stalked you a little bit, but I saw on your Instagram that you're, you do public speaking events too. Oh yeah, lots and, of public and then I stalked your editor because I it was just the last post that you did, so I like looked Emily. at hers and she said you're a really good public speaker, and I was like, oh, I want to like see her speak. So tell me about that. Yeah, so I started public speaking back when I was the CEO a long time ago of that nonprofit, and like more like do- presentation type stuff. 
yeah, mm-hmm. presentation, facilitation. But it was then that I got the – when I got used to it. The thing is, like, I grew up in California, so I've been performing my whole life in entertainment because my parents are actors. So I was on stage since I was in diapers, like, speech meets, poetry contests, spelling bees. They had me in all – like, I was in beauty pageants and stuff. Embarrassing, like, when I was really young. Um, So I've always been public speaking. But when I – when I was owning that or overseeing that company – not owning, overseeing the company, I had to speak about a lot of – it was a higher education company that its purpose was to advocate for student rights in a higher education and access to education for students. So um, I, I traveled around the state kind of lobbying for students at a state level with governors and politicians and topics such as mental health came up a lot. And um, so I really began to realize how little access students have to mental health services on campus when really college is the first time a lot of us experience um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, um, depression, and anxiety. And it doesn't even need to be like abuse. It can just be like, maybe this is the first time you just passed out, blacked out from drinking and you need some support. Maybe you had sex and you plan B. Like, who do you go to and how do you talk through these things? Um, Totally. A lot of us, that was in high school, but I mean, college is where there should be resources for that. So I started talking about mental health. And ever since then, because my career is kind of down a mental health pathway, I I speak a lot about that. But the picture you saw was me talking about my experience at my book launch party, which you met me the week after my book launch party. Otherwise, you totally would have been invited to that. But I love that um, though. That's such like so funny that the timing that we met. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. But I I speak about health psychology, mind-body connection, healing, um, connecting back with yourself, and a lot of like chronic illness, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia stuff. So that's usually the topics I'm speaking on. And relationships. So that's Mm -hmm. what it's about. Relationships. Mm -hmm. So obviously, like if someone was to read your book, they would know all of the things in a more in-depth way. But for the people listening – what would you say if someone's struggling with a broken heart or like trying to get over somebody? Like, what would you say to that person? Okay. The first thing I would say is what I wrote today, um, which I learned, which is you need, it's that we have to be careful who we allow in our brain and in our heart. Um, And our vagina. And our vagina, right? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Rent free, rent free. So it has to be like, if, who, who is your heart with right now? Like if I were to ask you on, I don't know if you can answer this question, honestly, but if I were like, is it this guy you're with or is it a guy you met in Portugal that you still haven't lost contact with? Like, you don't have to answer it, but who is it? Totally. I, and I will answer it, but, um, right now my heart is like more with myself than it ever has been in my life. So mm, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I love that. Okay. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. and that's a really cool thing. Um, that's a good question to ask yourself. Who is my heart with? Where are my thoughts? Um, f- for me, my heart was with this person that I was just like, 
there was this unrequited love situation. I was upset. wasn't entirely unrequited. He had strong feelings too, but way more on my end. I was obsessed with this guy for years mulling over him. And my heart was with my heartbreak and my heart was with people that weren't thinking about me. So all of my thoughts were being invested in them. Probably one thought of their day was being invested in me. So it wasn't an equal exchange. And our where we give our thoughts is where we're giving our energy. You can't see the energy, but it's going there. And we have to be, our energy is our magic. And we have to be so careful, as you know, because you you're always talking about magic. It's like, we have to be so careful what we do with our magic. We are, we're such magical human beings. And I was giving all of my power, all of my magic away to these people that didn't deserve it through my thoughts, through my actions. I was obsessing over them. And so what I would say to someone that's heartbroken is you have to watch where your thoughts are. You have to be so cautious and careful where your thoughts are. And when people say, I can't get this person off of my mind, I can't get over this, I can't move on, that's because you have to process it. You have to let it go. You being a yoga teacher, you know so many how many times on a yoga mat have you told people to like let go? Mm. But like how many times – like some people know – you're letting go by doing that savasana. And then after that, when you leave the mat, you've left it on the mat. And what that means is you're not allowing your thoughts to go there anymore. When they come, you move your brain to a different spot, right? You don't allow your your brain to go back to where that was. But some people don't know what that means. Some people, right when they leave the yoga mat, they're thinking about their obsessive thoughts again, and they're not over it. They're not over their heartbreak. And they literally did not leave anything on the mat. So we have to watch our thoughts and we have to And the way we let them go is by processing. Not a lot of people know how to process. So I think the best way is, first of all, you watch your thoughts by meditation. So, um, you know, be silent, close your eyes, turn a timer for five, 10 minutes on your phone. What, like, where is your mind? Did your mind go to your heartbreak? Did your mind go to your next trip? Did your mind go to where, what your groceries are going to be later or where you're traveling? Like, where is your thoughts going? Instead of um, like looking at the thought and letting it pass, I say write it down because I think it's important for not people to just notice the thought and let it pass, which is an amazing practice of meditation, but write it down so you can literally look at it and be like, oh my God, this is what I'm obsessing over right now. This is where my magic and my energy is going to. And not only that, but you need to read it back and you need to share it with someone else. Luckily, like hopefully it would be a therapist where you can do talk therapy or a friend that you can be vulnerable with or uh, whatever else. But if anyone else think the thought, put it to paper and then look at it and read it back. So you are fully aware of where you're putting your time and your energy. For me, I started doing that and then it turned into writing. So I would literally write my narrative down what was happening to me in a story that made sense to me. And that's what allowed me to process all of the messy thoughts. Because for example, have you ever ruminated over something like in your head for an extended period of time? Like the guy just keeps coming back into your head. That heartbreak, it's like, it's always on your mind. You're getting lost in those feelings. You're getting afraid and scared of those feelings because you literally can't stop thinking about it. It's causing you to be a fucking disaster, right? Because it's, it's the worst ever. It feels like it takes over your whole fucking life. And then it does. Even when you try to like meditate, it's just like there, like gah, 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 and you're like, ah. yeah. 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 And how do you get rid of that? Right. So for me, if 
I, I was laughing earlier about how I quickly I could have healed if I had just written the shit down and not only written it down, but shared it. Sharing is the release. When you share the story, it's no longer your story. You let it go. And then getting the, what's really important is you can write whatever story you want, but you need to get to the truth. So having someone hold you accountable to that story and talk through it with you and analyze it from an objective perspective with you is important because you would, you know, let's say you're heartbroken. You're going to tell the story how you want to hear it, which is great. And what makes sense to you, which is a big step. But then you need someone to tell you, like, are you being honest with yourself? Are you being truthful? And then the truth is going to fucking hurt, which is why people don't do it. But then it sets you free. Yeah. Because it hurts to write down, like, wow, today is the first day I'm admitting that, like, this guy really wasn't that into me. And I did let myself down by continuously sleeping with him when I should have walked away or applying to his text when he didn't deserve it or letting him take up so much mind space in my brain when I could have been healing. Um, But when you own that, you take responsibility for your story. The narrative becomes yours. Their words, their actions, how they treat you, how they make you feel – it has less power because you've rewritten the story. They can make you feel any way you want, but you're the one in charge of the story. And that's where you get some of your power back. So that's the first thing I would say. And then the second thing is go travel. Go get lost. Go travel. Go get lost like to find yourself. That's- I think those are the most two like perfect answers I could have ever heard because – one thing that you said like in the beginning, you were like, yeah, you know, I was talking to all these people, all these people about like my breakup and I couldn't stop and all the things. But like there's such a big difference between like complaining to your friends over the breakup of what happened versus like mm-hmm. actually discussing the situation truthfully with somebody that can reflect back to you in a real way like what it was mm-hmm. like two very mm-hmm. different ways to have that like conversation, conversation. and really like it, I, you just need to be careful, like, who do you choose to tell – to share the story with? Because there mm-hmm. will be people that enable you and there will be people mm-hmm. that are honest with you. And then, fuck yeah, traveling. I think that's, like, one of the best ways to ease depression because if you're stuck in your same environment, surrounded by all the things you used to do with that person, how are you supposed to get over it? You can't. I mean, people think it's crazy. Like, I've – I heard um, people have said, like, it's crazy that I this I had a friend that moved from where she was at one point of the country to the other side of the country to get over her heartbreak. And people were like, that's crazy. And I'm like, really, what's crazier to me is you staying in an environment that's consistently causing you suffering and pain. I think that's brave and amazing that she up and moved her life. And she's like, I'm starting over. I'm not in this narrative anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um and being real. I think it's crazy when you're not being real with yourself. Those girls that like get broken up, we've all been this kind of person. It's not girls. Anyone. Anyone who says like, oh, I'm just going to get over the sex, but you show up to the same party he's going to be at. You go to the same bar he's going to go to, same coffee shop, same work- workout class. Time you, you stay close with all of his friends to check in with him like time and time again because you're not being real with yourself that you're not getting over this person. You don't want to get over them and you're not allowing yourself to. So my ex um, used to say, he's like, yeah, I used to jog by your house just hoping you'd like accidentally be outside. And he's like, but you never were, you know, I was like, Oh shit. So sad. But yeah. And do you know what that it's, it's, I asked myself this question when I was traveling, I was like, why do we return to pain? 
it's weird. Like, why do humans return to pain? Because every time he did that pattern, that habit, he was returning to pain. Every time you check who's viewing your Instagram story to see if your crush is looking at it, every time you check to see if your crush liked your photo on Instagram or your WhatsApp or your text messages to see if they've they've messaged you or reached out, you're returning to, and not your crush, the person that rejected you. You're, every time you check on them or look at their social media, you lurk them, you lurk their new girlfriend, whatever, you're returning to that pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that? It's because that pain is comfortable to us and we like comfort more than we like change. So we will do stuff like that repetitively until we either it gets old or we feel pain so deeply that we can't bear that anymore. Um, but people, people do it. That explains the obsessiveness of why people lurk social media and return back to situations like that to try to, it doesn't help you get over them. You're just like keeping them relevant in your life. Absolutely. And it's almost like if you were to let go, you would have to actually let go, but it's like you still want that person. So you like, you'd rather have the pain of it than like the freedom, you know? Yes. You know, and yeah. I think too, there's, there's stages. It's like, you yes. do have to be the, the, the listening to the sad love songs for a little bit and the burrito stuck mm-hmm. to your face. And yes. then you have to move on from that stage and like talk about it like incessantly to your friends because you just can't get it and you can't process it. And they all want to know what happened anyway. And then <laughs> yeah. you got to move on to the next phase. And then, then, then it's like eventually it's time to fucking move and travel or just let go and go, you know, live your life. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to. You have to feel every feeling. And that's what writing really does. Not just writing in a journal like today I was sad, but actually like Mila, next time you get your heart broken, being like telling the story. Like one day I was on this trip to Peru and I met this guy at my retreat and we had this like blah, blah, blah. And you go into the details of it and you retell the story and then read it back and reshare it. That helps you process it. And the amount of times I return to my book, I still return to my book and cry. It's like crazy how many times I've had to return to my writing and grieve. But eventually I was reading this chapter the other day. There's one chapter, the last chapter of the book that always makes me cry. And I read it the other day and I like stopped crying. And I was like, oh shit, I've processed it. Like I've I've really done the work. I've I've read it so many times. I've at, at a certain point after you listen to the, all the songs, like the song's going to get old. Mm-hmm. The chapter is going to get old. The talking to your friends is going to get old. Um and it takes people longer than other uh, uh, longer than others it took me years, but <laughs> hopefully it doesn't need to be that way for people who are truly suffering and want to move on to the next state. But that point you made is is huge which is I would rather be in pain than get over the chance, get over this person. Yeah. This is where a lot of people are at. Yeah. Yeah. So it's such a good conversation. And I think also that might be one of the reasons why I have this podcast, if I'm being totally honest, is that Mm -hmm. like I, I, first of all, I love new people. I just love meeting new people. I could fucking mm-hmm. like become best friends with a wall. I don't even know. Like I just <laughs> love talking to people. <laughs> that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cancer vibes. Totally. And then also like what it's such a shame when people just 
die and they die with all their stories. I'm like, but but you were a whole person with a whole life with all these things that happened to you and your heartbreak and your travels and your adventures. And like, really? Like, and so it's like, you know, podcasts are fucking evergreen. So whoever hears this could be 10 years from now listening to this conversation between you and I. And like, I just think it's fascinating to have somebody's stories either written down or recorded and go into really like the detail about it and whether or not no one ever sees it, like write that shit down. I think it's important. Yeah, I agree. It's you're, it is important. It's so, and every story, the beautiful thing about podcasts, books, whatever, telling stories is that you learn something from every single person. You take something away from, um, every single person you meet and that adds value to your life in a way. Yeah. Um, so it's an equal exchange for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. Well, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. I have last couple questions um, mm-hmm. before I let you go. What does the future for Ms. Blair look like coming up? I know you're still going to be um, doing book release stuff, selling your book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, cannot wait to get it in the mail. I'm very, very excited to read it. Um, but I would love to know what the future for Blair looks like. Yeah. So there is um, the book. Yeah. Has sold out. So we're working on a second edition and then um, getting that out to people as soon as possible because the wait list is quite long. But the thing is, is there's a lot of stuff in there we need to change from the first edition in terms of like typos and Airs. Um, so that's going to be a second. And then once we get that out, I've just been building my business now full force for coaching. So that's what I hope to um, do for the rest of my life. And then um, I will probably – it's there's two paths I'm looking at taking. I'm going to get my coaching certification no matter what. But um, I'm really in the standstill right now between – med school for psychology or for my doctorate in that or um, naturopathic work to become a doctor of naturopathic medicine. And those are both very contradicting. And I'm definitely not proud of our medical system in the United States. And that's a different conversation for a different time. But um, I'll probably go down the naturopathic medicine route. And um, that's what I was going to say. I was like, go that route. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I want to give people freedom and empower them to take health into their own hands. But um, that's what's next for me. So it's just coaching people, selling the book, more public speaking, more podcasts, trying to get the message out there, trying to get more people to write, um, more people to dive into self-development. If more people would just dive into themselves and get an intimate relationship with themselves, that's what I'm trying to inspire more people to do. Whether that be getting people to go to your retreat or do a coaching seminar with me or read a book or write their own. Um, that's what I'm heading towards. So I love that. And where can people find you if they want more of you? Uh, my website is www.blairward.com. Um, Blair, B-L-A-I-R-E with an E. People forget the E. And then Instagram is at Blair, B-L-A-I-R-E, Ward, W-A-R-D. And then the link in my bio is where they can add themselves to the wait list for the second book to be the first alerted for when that comes out. Hell yeah, girl. Last question. What are your magical superpowers? My magical superpower number one is relating to others and making them feel seen. 
So that's what I care for deeply. And then um, number two is connecting them back with themselves. So helping people get an intimate relationship with themselves or digging up who they are and finding their truth um, and really cutting past the crap to to heal. So um, <clears throat> that's what those are. I want to know what yours are. Do you ever share yours on the podcast? Uh, nobody's asked me that yet, but um... – ah! Really? <laughs> no, no one has. Oh, uh, I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, my magical superpowers, I'm highly intuitive to the point where yeah. like I almost make every decision like based off of it and like I have mm -hmm. prophecy dreams. And so if my wow. – like really like – and I mean detailed as fuck and like shit that you – I could never know was going to happen. Yeah. I. I will dream it in exact detail and I'll be like, this is going to happen exactly like this two days from now. And people will be like, wow, okay, like that's pretty like specific and completely out there and then it <laughs> totally happens. So I love that. It's cool. And then so the other thing is like about that superpower is that if my intuition is telling me something, but I ignore it, it will mm -hmm. show up in my dreams and be like, if you don't handle this situation, like we we will handle it for you. Almost like my wow. guides or higher self or like my dream space will be like, you need to get on this now. Like I'll wake up with like just like dread in my body, like just like knowing I can't do anything with like I can't move forward until I take care of this one thing. Yeah, I love that. And I want to acknowledge you for just being so brave in a world that shuts down like spirituality and connecting with yourself and all that. You're so brave to just like dive into that power and utilize it and practice it. It's amazing. So that is thank you. your your freaking water signs talking to me because it hasn't always been easy for me to be brave. And I've actually gotten Akashic readings from my teacher. And she was like, you were hung. Actually, this was three different psychics that I got readings from over the course of like a year. Didn't say anything to them, but they were all like, you've been murdered for knowing too much information for having psychic abilities and you've been killed at the neck every time cutting off your voice. Oh so, my God, do you feel anxiety in your throat? A lot of the time, even when guys try to kiss me on my neck, sometimes I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Like, yeah. you're fucking kill me. Like, yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, I've been hung before multiple times, like, and they call it poppy syndrome. So it's like, um, cutting somebody off from like cutting them down a notch so, so oh that they don't God. share their knowledge or their power. And so, so your journey in this lifetime so is to take that back by using this, your voice. This is crazy. Yeah. Like in one of the lives, like I was like, had a rope wrapped around my neck and like, they made me wait for like two days, um, until they hung me. And I guess I wore the rope like as a martyr and I was just kind of like, fuck you. Like I will. Um, yeah. And so as like the witch that I was in that life, I um, decided to block off my third eye until a lifetime when it was safe for it to be all my power to be released. And Whoa. it's this lifetime that that's happening. And I was having issues with like, wow. yeah, I was having issues with like my full psychic abilities coming through because mm -hmm. I'm psychic, but I still mm -hmm. don't even think that it's my full like abilities that I uh, like, have coming through. It. And so little by little, I'm like working through like, like being able to command my voice and like use it and share like the things that I know. And then mm -hmm. another um, reading, she said that when I go to Peru, I'm going to do five days of ayahuasca and my full like abilities will be released. In, she said five years from now, which is 2022. 
<gasps> yeah. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, you're uh, going to have to tell me what that is like. I'll let happened. you know. I'll let you know. So, yeah. So that's like, I would say one of like my big, like magical superpowers. And I don't know. I think yeah, that's probably sure. good enough for now. I can't even think of the others, but that's like one of the main things that I'm like, secretly working with within myself. So thanks for asking. Yeah. I love that. And don't, don't let go of that. That's a really cool um, thing. And you're just, you are lovely and such a fun person. And I know I talk mm. a lot, but this conversation could have gone on for four more hours. If That's we wanted. how I felt. Let's just get a drink soon. <laughs> I know. We will. We I love will. it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Blair. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. And I know my listeners are going to just love this, this episode. Yay. Thank you, listeners. I hope you feel not alone in your journey to love because you are not. Someone else has done it a thousand times. So, <laughs> yeah. perfect.